Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, now, with MLB Network contributor and senior baseball writer with The Athletic, Jason Stark. Brought to you by Grundhoffer's Old Fashioned Meats. Bring the excitement of Grundhoffer's to your next cookout. Alrighty, bad news here, Judd. The Vikings just announced they waived your favorite player. Center from Western Illinois, Jacob Judd. Oh, Judd only lasted a week. Jacob Judd. Oh, that's a shame. I had great hopes for Jacob Man. Judd. We're live at the Minnesota State Fair. Jason Stark, uh, what kind of state fair do they have in Pennsylvania? Uh, there's not really a true Pennsylvania State Fair. There's a lot of you know local fairs. There is theoretically a Pennsylvania State Fair, but it's... Um, it's not what you're thinking of. Like, my wife is from York, PA, and the York Fair is a huge deal with, you know, the cotton candy and the trucks that come and give you frozen, half-frozen lemonade and the rides. That, that's what you're talking about. The Pennsylvania State Fair is, is more of a commercial endeavor. The problem with fairs is they just make you fat. That's the problem. That's a good. Well, that, I mean, that's a, a good life. Fair, it's a life choice. A good. Fa- a good fair just makes you fatter by the time that you depart that day, Jason. Well, what's your point? That's what's wrong with that. Well, you, you're an in decent shape guy. I look at food and gain ten pounds. So see, that's my problem. I'm Sano-like, Jason. I think about food. I gain weight. I get moved to first base, then DH, and then get sent to Florida. Right. So it's not like it doesn't matter if we go to the fair and we get fatter like i wouldn't send miguel Sano to the fair let's not do that no that's a good death yeah. they used to do that they stopped right? to be honest i don't know if the dominican republic has a fair but either way you should he should stay away tell us the story about the guy who took three days to get three hits in one day a very starkian like nugget baseball's awesome right it's just awesome so this was um this was a minor league feat and you know, thanks to suspended games, you have time travel. <laughs> so the guy who did this is Mike Yastrzemski, and yeah, he's Carl Yastrzemski's grandson. Wow. He's an outfielder in the Orioles system, plays for Norfolk AAA, and they begin a doubleheader on August 1st, and the, the doubleheader gets suspended, so they had to resume it last week. And, it, 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 I mean, it's a long story. They had all kinds of weather problems. Uh, when they resumed it, they had a doubleheader gone and it, beyond that. But anyway, he, he gets 
uh, hit at 11.45 p.m., and then he gets another hit in that game at 1.15 in the morning. And it all started on August 1st. So all those hits are recorded as having happened on August 1st. But, in fact, they happened over three different days. Baseball. There you go. Baseball is awesome. You're, you're so right. Uh, so, Jason, you, with all of the um, oddities that you love to keep track of, what is the one thing that you, in, in your time, have never seen that you've thought up that you would love to see in baseball? Like, what's the, weird, what's the weirdest thing? When Jason Stark is, th- is daydreaming to himself about the next thing that you would like to put in your extensive collection of notes, what's something that you haven't seen that you've thought up and thought, this would be really cool to see? You know, I've I've got a I've got a warped mind. I think a lot of stuff. Um, I love you. Like I was, you know, we had two games over the weekend, right, where there were eight run eighth innings, and I was thinking, oh, I wonder if there's ever been a nine run ninth inning, and a ten run tenth inning, and an eleven run eleventh inning. I'd like to just keep going like that, but I I know that's probably impossible. Um, I, you know, I would love to see a game where like they just couldn't get the first inning over with. You know, each team just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. And we talk about how baseball is timeless, and we could actually have a game that could theoretically never end. That's what I'd love to see—a game that just they just give up. They just say, "Hey, we got to get to on, we got to get to the next city." See ya. <laughs> could, what do you think? What are you? What are your theories on? at some point in the regular season, putting a stop on extra innings in some form. I know we've talked about expediting it, putting a runner on second base, but um, are you in the camp that says, you know what, if it's Tuesday night and a game goes till 2 o'clock in the morning, so be it. Yeah, but see, I like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the oddity king. Yeah. I like it when a game goes 20 and you know position players are playing the outfield and, <laughs> and the shortstop gets the win and... and Somebody gets the uh, you know pitcher gets the walk off pinch hit at four in the morning. I'm I am all for that, but I don't have to play. So I understand why baseball would want to take some kind of action on that in the minor leagues. I am really opposed to it happening in the big leagues because like these really super long games, how often do they happen? They're once or twice a year, maybe. Yep. So it like to me. The, the lore that goes with that is worth it. You know, to think, you know, there's been a lot of conversation over the last couple of weeks, for instance, that the, you know, the Red Sox are going to abandon their longtime AAA home in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, the Pawtucket Red Sox. And the longest game in professional, you know, modern professional history took place there. That 33 inning game over two days. Wade Boggs played in it, and Cal Ripken played in it. There are books written about it. Yep. I don't want to see that go away. Am I crazy? No, no. In fact, I. this is great. When did you – I'm going to t- tell you a quick story and ask you, when did you first realize that baseball-wise you, you were a bit odd? Because I'll tell you mine. I think it was July 4th of 83-ish or so. We had just gotten cable, right? And that's the legendary uh, Braves-Mets game that I think Rick Camp – homered in the pitch yeah and i'm not kidding you i think it was around 3 30 or 4 in the morning central time and my mom comes downstairs and she's mad and she's like why are you still up what are you doing what are you watching and i'm like mom this is the greatest ever this game won't end 
And she's like, what are you, just go to bed. What are you talking about? And I was like 13. But that's the first time, baseball-wise, I realized I was an odd duck. Boy, I, I, I'm not sure exactly the first time, but I, I would say when I was covering baseball, when I realized I'd become that guy, was that the fabled 1993 Phillies team that played the doubleheader that ended at 4.41 a.m. on the Mitch Williams walk-off hit, and then a few days later played a 20-inning game that ended at 2.45 a.m. And, like, that just... I, I know I wrote a column, a gigantic column about that team and that week. I, I easily could have written like a mini series, and people at that point just expected that that's what I would do. They expected that I would I would go to the park the next day or go to the clubhouse at five in the morning and collect all the funny quotes. Um, you know, the, the Larry Anderson quote about how uh, this team does some of its best work between 2 in the morning and 5 in the morning, and I don't know if he was talking about baseball there. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, the drunks wandering into the 4.41 a.m. game at 2, 3 in the morning, and Andy Ben is telling me, because he was Padre then, right? Nobody went to their games. He said, we, you know, we had more people going through the turnstiles here at 3 in the morning than we have at our regular games in San Diego. So that just became my thing. And now, like, there's never a day that goes by where either people aren't tweeting at me saying, you would know this, or you would love this, or you can help me answer this. Or if I'm in a press box, people wandering up to me saying, only you would get a kick out of this, or only you would appreciate this. And like This has just become my niche. I'm the guy who collects the weirdness and the wackiness of baseball. I, like, I think it's good. I think most people mean it as a compliment. I'm not 100% sure, but no, it, it's definitely just my niche now. It's, it's definitely my thing. It's hard, to, well, it's hard now in not just baseball writing and media, but in sports media and all kinds of media to stand out. And so... Number one, it's a compliment to you because you've been able to carve out a, a noticeable and valuable niche. But I want, I want to go even a step further here. I feel like as we sit here and try to diagnose baseball and where it's going and we have these conversations on a regular basis these days, the best thing, aside from just the structure of football being a once-a-week event, which baseball can't replicate, the best thing the NFL has going over the past 50 years is the storytelling aspect of NFL films. I mean, watching Hard Knocks on a weekly basis. I finally caught up on Hard Knocks this weekend. You get these inside looks at the sport that you love, and I'd love to know if you could go back in time, Jason, 50 years, and document baseball as closely as NFL films has documented football and have some of these benchmark shows. I know we had This Week in Baseball for a long time, but if we had more benchmark shows like that to tell the behind-the-curtain uh, stories publicly. I'd love to know where baseball would be right now from a marketing standpoint uh, compared to where it is. Huh. That's, I mean, that's a really interesting concept. Uh, like, I would, I mean, I would watch every minute of those shows. I would, I would love to see that. Um, but why do you, you know, football, because, again, because it's once a week, there's more time to reflect 
there's more time to reenact those stories. And there's more time for people who love football to watch those stories than in baseball, where during baseball season, you're like that team you follow is playing every night. It's playing all the time. When you're not working, that your team is playing, probably. And so when would people watch it? I guess that's I guess that's my question. Yeah, there's no room to come up for air, right? I mean, you're just yeah. you're watching. You're Off watching season, your maybe? Team. Yeah. Off season? But it'd be so it's much fun. Game? It wouldn't be fun to know, like, in the, like, watching Hard Knocks, and you get these conversations where, um, what's his name, rookie receiver from Florida gets, gets arrested, and you see the behind-the-scenes conversation with him, the general manager, and the head coach. Yep. I would love to see stuff in the manager's office, right? And they have they documented the Giants one year, but just more uh, stuff. The Marlins. Like yep. Remember that one? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That went well. <laughs> hey, hey, speaking of what makes baseball great, too, here's something else I absolutely love about the sport. The concept, the, the NBA, as we've talked about, Jason, the NBA concept of tanking, which we're like, you know, the Pirates are going to tank, and here's the team that I absolutely love, and this is what makes baseball special, Tampa Bay, right? Tampa Bay's traded everybody. They've gone with new strategies. They've done things where if you put it in, in basketball, for instance, they probably would be just a, a terrible team. Yet they've won eight consecutive games, what just swept the uh, Red Sox. The Tampa Bay Rays are, are an incredibly fun team. And I look at them and their success and I say, how do they do it? But yet, I come back to, it's also baseball. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're just off the national radar screen for the most part. But, you know, maybe the fact that they're doing things so differently this year has caused more conversation about them than at any time since maybe the, the 2008 World Series ended. Um, I was thinking about this uh, over the weekend myself. I, like, I can't think of a more unorthodox team. They got the same record as the Dodgers. Really? Like, I never, I never thought that would be possible at any moment this season. And yet, they they've done it, even though they traded away their or, or just dumped in the case of Corey Dickerson, right? They non-tendered him uh, or they DFE'd him. They traded away their four leading home run hitters. They traded away their closer and their leadoff hitter in May. They were basically selling at the deadline, although they did do a little adding. They, trade, they did trade for Tommy Pham. They, they went through a period where they had basically no starting rotation. Yeah. Right? They, Archer was traded. Blake Snell was on the DL. Evaldi was traded. Um, like, I can't remember any team like this ever since I've been covering baseball. And they have found the most unorthodox ways to win of any team I can ever remember. But because they're in a, in a division with two behemoths and a league with five behemoths, it, you know, it's not, some team with their record is going to play in October, and they're going to miss by, like, ten games. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we got about uh, I don't know a minute and a half left for some trivia. We don't have the fancy music because we're we're sitting out here without our usual uh, computer at the State Fair. But we would take you stumping us here uh, for the next ninety seconds, Jason, if you got it. Okay, all right, we'll try to do this quick. This is oh, we based on Jim Tomei. We do have music. Uh, so the question is: three guys who have hit at least thirty-five homers for the Twins, but a hundred homers for two other teams. Uh, so 100 homers. Wait, so 35 homers for the Twins. Right. So they, they had an impact on the Twins, but really 
hit 100 for two other teams. So this is 35 homers not in one season for the Twins necessarily. No. Okay. Correct. So Jim Tomey and then you said two others. Um, Ortiz get up to 35? Yeah, he there, did, there, but he only had two others. I was thinking there were three, but there's two. Okay. I, I was thinking Torrey Hunter, but obviously Torrey did it, hit 100 for the Twins and Angels. So there's two others. And uh, Ortiz Ortiz hit a hit more than 35 with the Twins and hit a bunch with the Red Sox, but we need another team. Yeah, Ortiz is the gimme here. Yep. Hmm. I'm trying to think of players who had little cups of coffee with the Twins. Okay. Did Brett? Did Brett? Brett Boone? No way. There's no way Brett Boone. No, because he didn't. Oh, he no, didn't hit 35 no, with the Twins. No, no, no. He yeah, got yeah, cut yeah. really quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah he sure. was awful. Um, yeah. That's a, this is an amazing so, question. So, just to be clear, too, are the home runs? Is that uh, combined for the other teams, or is that he hit thirty? He hit at least a hundred for a hundred apiece for two other teams. Wow. Okay. Because I was sprinkled in some with the twins. This is not a guess, but I was going to say possibly Brunanski, but I don't think I don't know whether he got up to a hundred for two other teams. Man, what about um, did Chili Davis do it? Yes. Oh, good. Wow. Nice. Good work. Wow! Nice. that right there. Joe Davis was the I mean, one. It, you know what's hard is try to figure out how many home runs these guys hit for the Twins. I was thinking Dave Winfield had to be an answer. Didn't hit thirty-five for the Twins. No, nope. he didn't. No, um, Joey Davis hit hundred and one for the Giants. hundred fifty-six for the Angels. How about Paul Molitor? No. Uh, Paul Molitor, I don't have him on my list. So he must not have hit thirty-five yeah. for the Twins. Well, we for time reasons alone, Jason, we surrender here. We totally would have gotten it if we had another sixty seconds to stumble over ourselves. What's the other one? Uh, I, it, I thought you didn't you guess the other one? <clears throat> Did I said Brunanski? Uh, Chili Davis was one of our oh, guests. Oh, and, and David Ortiz. Oh, David. Ortiz. Oh, Ortiz. Oh, I got you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right on. So two. Okay. So we got it then. There it is. You got it. Us. You did well. We did get it. Great. Jason Stark, hey, thank you very much. We'll congratulations, talk next week, man. Stark. See ya. <laughs> Thanks. That was exciting, I think. Yeah, exactly. All right. I'm not sure either. Bye, Bye. Bye Jason.